You are now listening to The Big Data Beard. This is our podcast where we explore the trends, technology, and talented people making big data a big deal. Hey, everybody, this is Corey Minton from the Big Data Beard, and we are at Rev2 Conference and joined by my good friend, Brett. And uh, we're excited to have Nick Elprin, CEO of Domino Data Labs, joining us. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks Excellent. for having me. So I, this Rev2 Conference, it feels a bit different than like a lot of the other AI and big data conferences mm-hmm. I've been to, and it, I think it's intentional. Tell us a little bit about why you've built Rev2 and kind of what the focus is here. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm gl- yeah, I'm glad you perceived a difference that it was intentional. We, um, you know, we've seen lots and lots of events for data scientists that are really focused on the technical details of data science work and sort of, you know, how do you write Python code to train a, a deep learning algorithm and things like that. And what we saw missing uh, was something more about how do you build a data science capability in your organization? How do you figure out how to what are best practices and principles and and techniques for managing data science? Um, how do you educate business leaders in your organization about the importance of data science? So much more about data science as an organizational capability instead of a technical skill, yeah. um, and that's that's what we've tried to make Rev all about. Yeah, it feels like it feels like that's kind of a, a salient truth that I find today, which is so much of like success with data science and AI has less to do with the tech right. and more to do with the people part of yep. it. So I think that's a it's a great focus yeah, now. And- in your in your talk this you know yesterday during the keynote you 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 made a very clear point which I thought was kind of cool which is everybody talks about being data driven but that doesn't that doesn't seem like it's the opinion you you share right <laughs> tell us why data driven maybe isn't the right approach yeah well look I, so so data is critical and and um, looking at data is super important to understand what's going on in your business and looking at data gives you insights and makes makes you ask good questions um, what I think is important what I think is the future and what I think the most sophisticated companies that are beating their competitors are doing is um, is being model driven models models tell you what to do they predict things they recommend things um, and it, so you know Daniel Kahneman did the keynote uh, yesterday morning before I spoke he's the author of thinking fast and slow and the whole point of his keynote was um, algorithmic decision making outperforms human decision making humans have uh, are overconfident in their own intuition and in in every study they've ever done an algorithmic set of rules to rec- to make a decision will outperform or, or will, will at best match and usually outperform a human. And that's really what modeling is all about. And that's really what the essence, the power of data science is all about is how do you encode in automated, how do you encode automated decision-making rules? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a, a model can literally, literally guide what course of action you take. If you're just looking at data that tells you what happened in the past and at best it can spark questions for you, but it can't, it can't tell you what to do. Yeah. It's funny. I like the analogy where you had this data driven is the rear view mirror. Right. Model driven is the GPS. Right. Right. That's, I think that's a brilliant thought. So why, how is being model driven, uh, maybe different? Like how, how does it differ from maybe what other people think, you know, like we co- companies have done for years of right. software development or in, like right, if it's right, industrial right. assets, like how is modeling from a data science perspective different than yeah. those practices? Yeah. Uh, great question. So I, I think there, there are three, there are three main ways. I mean, first, um, the materials that data scientists use to make models are different from the materials that companies use to make software, or even to make BI dashboards. So, you know, um, Data science, uh, building models is, um, 
it needs computationally intensive algorithms. Uh, it needs all these open source packages from this rich ecosystem, Python and R. And so um, what that means is that modern, modern organizations, modern IT organizations need to provide very different infrastructure to enable, enable data scientists. It's, um, it's much more agile and dynamic. The, the second way that making models is different um, is about the process. And, and one of our other keynotes yesterday was from, um, was from Netflix. Mm -hmm. And you know, they spoke about how, how critical experimentation is for them. And if you think about what the, the most companies built up processes over the last 20 years that were very um, sort of rigid and strict. And uh, if you were going to release software, you know, that was a long cycle time. Well, models are... Um, Building models is inherently experimental, and, and you might try hundreds of ideas before getting one that works. And that's not only is that okay, that's really encouraged. If you're not if you're not failing, you're probably not experimenting enough. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know, making models is is much more like like research. It's it's much more collaborative. And um, we hear stories from our customers about how they they had a breakthrough that came from picking up old work that someone had done a year ago and left on the shelf. Yeah. You don't ever hear about that with software. It's it's not like oh well this dead code that no that we never put into production it gave me an insight yeah, that that's not how it works. Yeah. So the the process is different. It's much more research oriented and collaborative, and experimental, and then models behavior is different too. I mean, um, you know, you need to retrain models, and and if the data in the world around you starts changing, a model's performance will degrade. It's very different from software, where software, you know, it's deterministic. You can unit test it, and then you deploy it, and it does what you expected it to do. Um, model, you know, models don't have correct answers. You can't unit test them, so that that demands sort of new ways of thinking about how to govern and monitor and quality control modeling work. So I feel like over the past couple of years, organizations have really focused on being data driven and the data. Obviously, understand that really the need is to be model driven. Is there a path or journey? How do customers go and change their mindset from data driven to model driven? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what we've seen be successful with the companies we work with, um, th there's kind of an arc to it. You know, the first thing is that leadership in an organization needs to really understand this difference. And um, it, it being at a conference with data scientists and, and people who manage data science teams, this difference between datals, data and, and, and models is obvious to a lot of them. But when we talk to business leaders or even folks who've been leaders in the IT space for a long time, this is a new concept to them. And so we really encourage the folks here at the event to educate leaders in their business and help them get this sense of urgency. And you know, if, um, if, if you aren't going on this journey, if you aren't investing in putting models at the heart of your business and running, running your business on models, your competitors are going to do that. And, and, and frankly, you're going to be, you're going to be losing soon. Um, so it's, this is, this is the next arms race is how fast can businesses automate more of their decision-making algorithmically. So that's the first part is that you're getting a sense of urgency around it and educating leadership. Um, part, part two is getting the right people. And you know, for, for some of the reasons we talked about a minute ago, building models and really integrating them into your business requires a new, um, it, it's, a, it's a different kind of person. And, and our point of view is you need expert data scientists. You need people who understand the fundamentals of the statistics and the mathematics behind, underlying these things because they are a, models are a completely new type of digital life. And if you don't have a sound mathematical and statistical understanding of how they work and and how to interpret the output of one and and how to build them in a in a quality way um you can you can risk doing harm and damage uh, you know so this is you know we we don't have 
you know, people who build bridges, you know, no, no mechanical engineering. That's a discipline. They've studied it. They, they, they understand the fundamentals of it. And, and if you're going to put, if you're going to run your business on models, you need people who understand the fundamentals of those as well. Um, and then the third thing is about, you know, once you get a lot of those people, how do you enable them and what sort of infrastructure and platforms do they need to be productive? And that, that tends to come in the, in the journey that that step comes once a company's already got got the experts in place they validated uh, they can build some models they can get this going and then how do you start scaling it yeah. so within all those those steps what's the most challenging part of that for customers organizations to adopt oh gosh uh, I, I, each one is a challenge just at a different time I mean, yeah i mean yeah you know i, mean, I, I think so if equally challenging yeah yeah so i'm curious because you talk about these the teams right so te it's not for many years, we talked about these unicorns, right? right? They could do the whole, the full stack could do everything themselves. But it sounds like a lot of what you're seeing in large organizations are successful. It's a team of people with a diverse set of kind of specialized skills. Yeah. How, how is Domino helping solve problems there? Because I know sure, one sure. of the biggest challenges around data science is that collaboration, as you said, like, right. hey, I found this old piece of you know, not a code, but like I found this other model right. that might have been, maybe it's transferable. What's Domino doing to help make sure that you can collaborate yeah, and you can actually right. gain value from those teams? Yeah. Well, and you, you made a couple of good points that I, let me just separate. So, I mean, I think one is, um, how do you scale a data science organization when you can't just hire unicorns who have experience with everything? Um, and then the second is, how do you collaborate both among data scientists and also collaborate, have facilitate collaboration between data scientists and business stakeholders? Yeah. So let me touch on each of those. Um, so the, I mean, the first thing we do to, to help with the kind of breaking the need for the unicorn is our platform will automate a lot of the DevOps required to do data science work. So that what, are, what typically bogs down a lot of data scientists is infrastructure orchestration. I need these big machines. I need to get data onto them. I need to make sure that my environments are set up right with the right packages. We handle all that with you know, just sort of uh, uh, sing single click capabilities. And what that means is that if you're building a data science organization, you can focus on hiring people who know the statistics and the, you know, the scripting, the Python, the R. You don't need people who know all the DevOps. You don't need people who know how to go and manage their own EC2 instances and AWS and things like that. So we, we, we sort of break that skill set up, which is nice. Yeah. Um, then around collaboration, I, I think of this in two ways. I mean, there's collaboration among data scientists and then collaboration with business stakeholders. Collaboration among data scientists, what, what we'll do is... Um, as you work, so I, I think the key to this is having work in a central platform. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you think about what software engineering teams do, they use version control, they use GitHub. And it, you know, we're not in a world anymore. Software engineering matured as a discipline 20 years ago, where we stopped having software engineers keep track of their own code. Right, it's in one place. So we do the same thing for data science work. Anytime a data scientist works, we keep records of what they did, and not just the code, but the results they produced, the data sets they ran. Uh, that they used. So that's all searchable and discoverable and, and reproducible critically. Mm -hmm. So if someone else is doing a project, they can do a search for the topic they're working on, you know, customer churn modeling, fraud, fraud detection, whatever, and they'll find relevant past work that's in the platform and then not only find it, but they can, they can pick it up and it'll work because yeah. we have the record of what were the packages you had installed? What was the environment used? What were the data sets used? It's all there in one place. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about the platform, right? Domino. There are so many like startups that's that claim to be a yeah, platform. Yeah. Help us understand like your view of what it means truly means to be a platform yeah. for data science. Yeah, yeah. 
first part of my answer is about what kind of capabilities you need to provide. And then the second part of my answer is more about who do you provide that to and like yeah. how do you provide it? Mm -hmm. So in terms of capabilities, we think of facilitating the end-to-end -end data science lifecycle. So that's everything from develop like R&D development, but also to deployment and productionization mm -hmm. and doing that in a way that is collaborative. Um, so works for teams, builds knowledge, uh, um, facilitates collaboration. And so that's sort of a collaborative data science lifecycle. Yeah. The other thing that we see is getting increasingly important that, that we've been investing in is providing visibility to leaders and executives in an organization into what's going on in their data science teams and their organizations. So, you know, if you think about other quote, other quote unquote platforms, things like CRM and Salesforce, they're great for the individual contributors doing the work, but they're also powerful for executives to get a sense of how that function in a business is operating. Mm -hmm. If you're a, if you're a sales organization, you know, your, your individual account executives use Salesforce, but your sales leader will look at what's all the activity, what's the forecast and that's coming up from my team. So we, we think a data science platform needs to do that same kind of thing. And so we've, we've been investing in capability to show a data science leader, manager, hey, what are the projects that are in flight? How are they going? Are they healthy? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of functionality. And then in terms of, you know, how do we do that? Um, two things that are really important for us. One is we are we are deeply committed to uh, a, a, a type of data scientist we consider to be the expert data scientist. These are, these are data scientists who are most comfortable writing code in statistical programming languages, Python and R and things like that. We, we believe that the most, the most valuable models, um, the highest impact work in an organization comes from those people, mm -hmm. and we want to be enabling them. So our platform is all about how do you, how do you take the work you're already doing in, say, Python or R, but run in a central place so that we'll automate infrastructure for you, give you collaboration capabilities, facilitate your R&D process. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in contrast to, I think, other, other platforms in the space are trying to package up data, trying to automate data science, you know, sort of drag and drop tools and um, aimed at people who don't have expertise in statistics. And, and we, we don't think that's, that's the way to go. Um, and then the second thing that we care a lot about is making sure that we're open. We don't want to tie data scientists into particular programming languages or packages or even infrastructure right. um so you know we're not we're we'll, we'll, we're not tightly tied to one specific cloud provider we're not tied to one programming language because we think that there's so much innovation in this ecosystem yeah. that we want data scientists to be able to take advantage of that and not be not be locked into anything we've built yeah absolutely i think that's the that to me that feels more like platform as a service that we think of in traditional kind of it deployment concepts where it's like it's full life cycle, right? It's the and it, it actually does provide that feedback not only to the people using, it, as you said, but also to the people that are trying to manage, which I think is critical. So, there was a bunch of big announcements yesterday uh, from the keynote stage. Yeah, yeah, tell us a little bit about like what are those announcements and yeah. you know, what's the innovation behind them. Great. Uh, so the first the first big thing we've done uh, there's a little bit of history here, but we um I mean a big thing I touched on this earlier. A big thing we do is we deal with all the DevOps required for data science work, and we'll orchestrate infrastructure and containers and things like that. And, uh, you know, we, we've had functionality to do that for a long time, but we started so early that we built our own container orchestration long before any of these more modern uh, platforms for, for doing container orchestration were out, like Kubernetes. So over the last year, what we've done is we've um, completely replatformed our whole compute, what we call our compute grid onto Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. So um, that makes us uh, much more open and we can, you know, run in anyone's infrastructure, anyone's tech stack. Um, and we'll do, we'll deal with all the, um, elastic orchestration, auto scaling. We'll, we'll shut machines down to save you cost. 
And that our compute grid is all tied in closely with what we call our reproducibility engine. Mm -hmm. So any workload that runs through our compute grid, on, uh, which is layered on top of Kubernetes, will automatically track and record what you ran, the data sets you use, the results you produce, which makes all your data science work fully reproducible. Yeah. Um, so that was the first thing. Uh, second, second thing is we announced um, a bunch of new functionality in, in what we call the Domino Lab, and that's the part of the platform that facilitates research and development. And so we announced a new experiment manager, which lets data scientists track and organize and compare their computational experiments. And then we, we also announced something to go along with that, which we call this feature we call Activity Feed. And that's like a, it's like a collaborative lab notebook for data science work. So if you're on a project collaborating with peers, you can get a quick high-level view of what everyone else is doing. And that, that makes it easier to spark, spark insights um, and just keep your finger on the pulse of what your peers are doing to avoid reinventing the wheel and duplicating work. And then the third thing we did is uh, we announced something we call Control Center. And Control Center gives data science managers and data science leaders, imagine you're a chief analytics officer, visibility into what all your data science projects are across your organization, um, which increasingly is a, is a common problem as data science teams and organizations get larger, dozens or hundreds of people. Um, we've heard stories of organizations wasting tons of effort, duplicating. I mean, what, one company we work with said, you know, they, they had two projects going on across the company that were doing the exact same thing and they didn't even realize it. And you just think about the inefficiency of that for, a, for these highly paid, highly valuable resources. It's, um, it's, it's kind of a waste. So, Cool. So everything is available today. Uh, when is all this, all the announcements actually going to be released and, you know, so people can get their hands on it? Uh, a couple of them are available today and a couple of them are coming over the next few months. Excellent. Now, I did see you guys actually launched a new capability to where people can actually get their hands on That's right. yeah. Domino. Try, try.dominodatalab.com is our new trial environment. Um, and so the, the functionality I described around our, our, our lab environment, the um, experiment manager activity feed, those are available there today. Yeah. And the rest of it's going to be rolling out there over the next couple months. Very cool. So... Tell me, as a, as a leader, the CEO and founder of a, this very interesting platform company for data science, I, I want to know from your seat, like, what are you thinking about next? Like, when you go talk with customers, when you hear from the industry analysts, like, what are the big challenges that organizations are facing in becoming model-driven yeah, yeah. that you guys are thinking about in terms of, like, what you want to go do next? Yeah, yeah one, one really exciting, uh, I think, very rich, fertile, fertile ground for us is... Um, is around model monitoring, sort of post post model deployment health uh, health concerns. And the the way I think about this is, if you look back at the journey companies have been on over the last five years to to put models at the heart of their business, you know, stage one was really just getting data scientists productive and getting them able to build these things and do research. Um, step two is about okay, we've got these models. How do we get them into production? And that's where companies are kind of getting to now across the market. And step three, which is coming, and we've seen our most sophisticated company customers are doing this now, is, okay, I got these models running, making key decisions, automating my business. Mm -hmm. How do I know if that's healthy? Like, how do I know if that's safe? Yeah. And, we, and I, I talked earlier about how models are different from software and that models are probabilistic, not deterministic. Mm -hmm. Models can drift. Um, you know, you train a model on one data set and then you get it into production. It turns out the production data that's being passed into scoring is different, has different statistical characteristics from the training data set. Yeah. How, so how does a company detect that and get alerted to that and know now is the time I have to go retrain my model or investigate why I've had this drift? Yep. Um, so I think we, there's a lot we can do to help with that. And um, I think that's a, it's still a nascent space. I think companies are really starting to grapple with that problem and realize yeah. um, how, how potentially 
um, harmful and therefore how important it is to, to get ahead of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So I, what, we've we talked about the future, but I'm curious, like, for how does somebody go from uh, you were working in, in in industry? Yeah, right. Tell us a little about what you were doing before sure, you yeah, yeah. Domino and kind of how you ended up. <laughs> yeah, be, you know, on this journey. Yeah, so I spent seven years working at a, a big hedge fund called Bridgewater, and um, you know, and they're popular in the press now because um, their founder wrote a, a popular book, and there's a lot of a lot of written about their culture. But what what was really relevant at Bridgewater in terms of my Domino's background, um, Bridgewater has been doing this model driven thing for a long time. All their investment strategies were algorithmic, and um, you know, my, I have two co founders. We all worked together there, and, and we sort of saw the power of being this model driven approach, how, um, how successful of a business and how scalable a business you can run and how much competitive advantage you can create if you, if you run your business on models. Yeah. And, you know, and then around 2013, I mean, we just, we saw the, the growing hype around data science. And as we started talking to early, early folks doing data science, and we heard about the problems and the pain points they were running into, um, we just thought there's a huge opportunity here to go enable um, companies that w- across all industries that want to do this, as opposed to sort of narrowly focused within one finance firm. So yeah. that's uh, that's what we got excited about. Very cool. So I I will tell you it's it's really interesting to hear that you're solving the real challenges of data scientists, right? Not just these the hype things, but the real challenges of how do we work together better, become more productive run anywhere and be successful. So it's it's been great to talk to you about Domino, but I want to get a little bit more personal in a section that we call Rapid Fire. We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. Pew, pew. What is the latest book that you've read that you would recommend to our listeners? Uh, I, I loved um, a book called Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb. Um, and I, it's, uh, I, it's one of those books. And it's actually like, it's, it reminded me of Thinking Fast and Slow, which Daniel Kahneman wrote. It's, just, it's a very um, big picture, conceptual point of view that is widely applicable to lots and lots of things. So I, Anti-Fragile. Interesting. What piece of technology is currently making your life worse? Oh, gosh. I noticed you're not wearing an Apple Watch, which is the number one response that we get. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then email, followed so by email. I've never been, and this is funny, I mean, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an engineer by training and I started a tech company, but I'm, I'm actually fairly skeptical about technology. I think, you know, like, <laughs> I think unless technology is serving a very clear purpose, um, I, I, I've never been interested in tech, technology for technology's sake. But let's see, making my life worse. Um, you know, I, I'm surprised they still haven't gotten Bluetooth right. Oh. You know, like sort of the amount of time yes. wasted with just like Bluetooth syncing and pairing, mm-hmm. and um, that one feels. I mean, the Air, the AirPods have gotten gotten better; they're better, but it still feels like it's a little more trouble than it's worth at times. I got my first pair yesterday, and I realized that I can't pair it to both my phones. So, yay! You know, it's yeah. It's just <laughs> it's thanks, Apple. <laughs> Well, is it Apple's fault or is it like the Bluetooth spec people? It's my but, fault, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, what is your biggest personal money pit right now? Good. I got two kids. Oh, there, there you go. Yeah. They are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is the other pair of AirPods I'm going to buy today from my other phone. <laughs> right. Thanks, Apple. All right, um, what show are you binging on right now? Killing Eve. Okay, what's that about? Uh, so I think it's a, it's a Netflix show, um, and it is, uh, it's a... 
British intelligence agent who gets pulled into a sort of a secret off the books mission to track down a, a serial killer. And they end the, the intelligence agent, and the serial killer end up getting this sort of mutual infatuation with each other. Um, it's, uh, it's Sandra O. Oh. Okay. And uh, it's, yeah, it's good. Mm, interesting. All right. And then lastly, where's the next interesting place that you're going to be traveling to? Interesting place. Well, you know, we, I travel to a lot of uninteresting places. Uh, um, we'll leave those nameless for now. Yeah, let's see. I'm going, I'm going to Puerto Rico in a few months. My, oh, that's cool. uh, my, that's really interesting. My, my wife is from there, and so we're going we're gonna to go back to see her family and take our, take our kids and meet the grandparents. And, awesome. Uh, that'll be a good summer and a summer trip. Man, get you some mafungos while you're down there. Right, yeah, yeah. That's some good stuff. Well, Nick, it has been awesome to hear about Domino Data Lab and what you guys are doing to help make data scientists more productive, connect data science to the executives, and we appreciate the uh, the opportunity to be here with you at Red. Thanks, this is great. Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard Podcast. The music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. Check him out on iTunes or Spotify. Mm-hmm.